Hi, my name is Reverend Dr. Sally Douglas and I'm the minister at Richmond Uniting Church and you are welcome here. In this audio form of worship, you'll just hear the gospel reading for this Sunday and the reflection and the wondering questions. And the wondering questions will also be on the website. And if you would like to wrap this audio around with a liturgy, you'll find a simple written inclusive liturgy on the website. Or you might like to wrap this reflection space around with silence before and after the reflection or at least after the reflection in time for you in prayer or journaling. So we're going to hear the reading from John which is set down for Lent 4 and it's John chapter 3 verses 14 to 21 and again I'll be reading from David Bentley Hart's recent translation. The choice because it's much closer to the language of the New Testament, the Greek. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up, that everyone having faith in him might have the life of the age. For God so loved the cosmos as to give the Son, the only one, so that everyone having faith in him might not perish but have the life of the age, For God sent the Son into the cosmos, not that he might pass judgment on the cosmos, but that the cosmos might be saved through him. Whoever has faith in him is not judged. Whoever has not had faith has already been judged because he has not had faith in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the cosmos and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were wicked. For everyone who does evil things hates the light and does not approach the light for fear his deeds will be exposed. But whoever acts in truth approaches the light so that his deeds might be made manifest that they have been worked in God for these words of faith and Jesus the word. Thanks be to God. I'd like to invite us into a moment of prayer and then we'll dive in to explore this reading. Tender God, please through alchemy of great spirit, break open these words for us. Guide my speaking and all of our listening and reflecting and speaking that we may hear your word to us and have the courage to respond as you call us to. Through Jesus, the living word we pray. Amen. A poem by a Melbourne writer, Catherine Lewis, called The Moment. What made them love him so deeply? This random group of men and women who let their nets and pens fall from their hands, left their passion for violent revolution against Rome's rule, their trades and homes and villages, and for three years faithfully followed the scruffy wanderer who had simply looked them in the eye and said, Come follow me. 
One of them answered the question many years later. We love because he first loved us. In the midst of daily tasks, these men and women looked up and saw in a stranger's eyes that they were known and loved, loved far beyond what they knew. And lost in that breathtaking love, they let their world fall heedless from their hands and walked into the new. But how many people on those days passed the same eyes and failed to see that look of love, hurrying on heedless with daily life? Let love pass by and never knew. I think the journey from fear into love is probably the longest and perhaps the hardest journey that we'll ever make in our lives. And it's not a straightforward journey either. We can have seasons of great love, periods in life when we feel seen and secure in our relationships with family and friends or with ourselves, also in our relationship with God, the Holy One, the source of all. And then there can be seasons of desolation, periods of isolation, perhaps because we're betrayed by others, those who we thought we could trust. Perhaps we feel like we've betrayed ourselves. Or maybe even harder, a season in which the love of God seems like a foolish fairy tale. A time when fear engulfs us and hardens up our hearts. This experience of fear-filled desolation can happen in our lives for no apparent reason. And this can also happen when tragedy befalls us. The journey from fear into love, from anxiety into trust, is a long one and it's not straightforward. Instead, it often weaves in circles as we travel through these different seasons in our lives. And I think this journey from fear into love is made all the more difficult if we've been brought up with the idea that if you believe in God, things will go well for you. This kind of thinking is pervasive in the church, but also beyond the church is manifest in the very common assumption that people have that bad things don't happen to good people or bad things shouldn't happen to good people. Clearly, the evidence indicates that this does not reflect reality. Terrible things happen to the kindest, most loving people for no rhyme or reason. Not only is this kind of thinking about reality, not only is this assumption false, it's not Christian either believe in God and get a good life. That's a Disney movie. That's not Christian faith. And if this kind of thinking is the basis for our reason in trusting in God, our movement from fear into love, it's not very stable and it's going to collapse when life piles on big surprises. In the midst of all of our beautiful, fragile 
grief-stained, joy-filled lives, because they are a mixture of all these things. This question about whether God can be trusted, God is loving, is core. To put it another way, this question of whether we can breathe out and just relax and trust is core. Whether we are able to move from captivity to fear into the spaciousness of love is core and they all relate these questions, they are intertwined. In John's Gospel today, we actually get huge insights about this question of trust and of fear and of love. In the passage, we get to overhear the second half of a conversation between Jesus and this Jewish leader who comes seeking out Jesus, Nicodemus. And here, Jesus addresses this actual question. While we and while Nicodemus might assume that God comes in judgment and wrath and fear-mongering, Jesus declares that God's intervention in the cosmos, this is the language of the text, so it's just bigger than our little world, it's the whole cosmos. God's intervention in the cosmos, God's breaking into the world in person in Jesus is about love. It's about love. It's not about judgment or fear. Jesus says God longs to heal and save. This is God's reality, this gathering in. This is God's nature and God's movement. Listen again to these words in John three seventeen. if I'm sounding like it's too good to be true. For God sent the Son into the cosmos, not that God might pass judgment on the cosmos, but that the cosmos might be saved through him. Talk about all things. It's unbelievable, tragic irony that Christians have snipped out particular words from this very passage in order to turn them into weapons to try and fearmonger people into becoming Christians. It's unbelievable. Did God please have mercy on us? Because this goes entirely against what is being said here. Here in John, Jesus is proclaiming the reality that God is love, that God longs for all to be healed, the whole cosmos to be embraced, that this divine energy is here and now for us and for all things. And it's in taking this seriously, letting go of our obsessions, thinking God is judging us or punishing us, in taking seriously that the movement of God is love that we can begin the journey from fear out of fear into trust into relaxing into compassion how would it be how would it actually be to imagine that no matter how we feel no matter how we fail, no matter what's happening externally in our lives or internally within us, God remains steadfastly in love with us. 
that the universe is kind. That no matter what events might befall us, these are not punishments or judgments. And that whatever is going on within us or around us, God's healing love is stronger than all of it. Stronger than all of it. Being able to actually trust this, leaning into this reality, it's a process. This is what faith is about. Faith is not believing a certain set of ideas. It's about leaning into this trust in the goodness of God, the steadfast love of God that does not want to smite us. It's actually a process of rebirth, which is what Jesus says to Nicodemus just before the passage that we heard. A slow, ongoing rebirthing of us from fear into love. And when we fail and collapse back into fear, God comes to us, helping us up, calling us back into love. I wonder if we can really try and take that seriously. That life is not some transactional process in which if we're good, we get good stuff. How dare we reduce God and life and mystery to that kind of economic paradigm? What would it be like to trust that the new age that Jesus speaks about, the kingdom as Jesus speaks about in Mark, is present? is near and that we can lean in to this energy. We can draw our strength from this love force regardless of what is going on. We can look up to the Holy One who gazes upon us in love. I'd like to read the poem again, The Moment, by Catherine Lewis, and I'll put the link, the resource to the book on the website as well. But listen to this. What made them love him so deeply? This random group of men and women who let their nets and pens fall from their hands, left their passion for violent revolution against Romans' rule, their trades and homes and villages, and for three years faithfully followed the scruffy wanderer, who had simply looked them in the eye and said, Come follow me. One of them answered the question many years later. We love because he first loved us. In the midst of daily tasks, these men and women looked up and saw in a stranger's eyes that they were known and loved, loved far beyond what they knew, and lost in that breathtaking love, they let their world fall heedless from their hands and walked into the new. But how many people on those days passed the same eyes and failed to see that look of love 
hurrying on heedless with daily life. Let love pass by and never knew. Here are the wondering questions for this week and they're heavy. I think it's fair to say because I'm inviting us to do some deeper reflecting. We're in Lent. Let's dive into that deeper exploration of what's going on. You might want to stay with these questions throughout the week. One, can you trace times in recent years when you have deeply known that you are loved by others and by God? Spend some time giving thanks to God for this season. So go back and and let yourself experience again that time of love. It could be now. It could have been a long time ago. But go back there. Remember. Give thanks. Two. Can you trace times in recent years when you have lived in the grip of fear or desolation? Bring this time to God. Do not judge yourself. Just bring your truth to God, trusting even a little that you are loved. So instead of thinking you have to fix that experience or explain it away or blame yourself or blame someone else or blame God, the invitation is just to be real about it. So let God close to that truth. And the third question is much more focused on practices. When we're captured by fear, practices can help us to reorient our internal compass. Because sometimes we just get schlucked along by fear, so it can help to ground us. So what practices help you to rest in God's love? Trusting that God moves in healing, not judgment, as Jesus says in this reading. So practices might include using a prayer mantra like the words Lord Jesus Christ or resting in nature as a practice or memorizing a portion of a psalm to keep you steady. might be exploring poetry or art. But what will help to reorient your internal compass when the fear is mounting within you? When you can feel that you're sinking in a narrative that God is to be feared or life is to be feared. What will help you to remember and to rest in God's love? Every blessing to you and for your week and for your journey. Amen.